Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome this morning. Uh, We will uh, be doing part two of Stage Set, and so thank you for joining us. And anybody joins us even online. Uh, So Stage Set, Stage Set is like in a play or a movie, uh, we were talking about, or a movie production, there's a placement or a setting that's the focus of the audience. It creates the environment for what is to come. So that stage has been set. Um, there's scenery and properties that, that are designed or arranged for a particular scene in that play. And what we're doing is we're looking at some settings in the Word of God that um, they're going to be very familiar to you once you start applying yourself to it. First of all, you know that everything has to come with understanding. If you don't have an understanding, you're lost. I mean, some people could start talking about physics right now, and probably most of us, maybe not Neil, but um, would check out, right? I mean, is anybody else going to check out if, if they say, I mean, because our understanding is what? Lil to nil, you know? and And so... What we have to do is we have to grow in understanding. So first we learn about these understanding of of these settings, and then they start to become familiar to us, and then all of a sudden you start finding yourself in that place, and you're like, wow. And now the frustration that usually comes, like when you're first starting to learn something like, say, physics, because you get frustrated because you don't understand it, and you're supposed to get a good grade, and you're, right? And then... Other people are like, oh, no, dude, it's like da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And you're like, I only have physical violence for you. I mean, that's the, that's the only answer that I have. I've ran out of words, kind of like that male-female thing. They always That was a joke that Joe McGee said is the reason why domestic abuse was always on the male is because after work is when it happened, and after work he was out of words, and she wasn't. And so uh, he, he, he resorted to the only thing left, which was action. But anyway, that's, that was his joke. Um, sorry, that's terrible. Uh, back to the word. Anyway, we'll get here. But um, these the settings, so we'll, we'll take a look into some of the scenery and properties that have set us specifically by God in this act of our life, this time of our life. Um, we're going to encounter Ecclesiastes 1.3, which kind of says, I, kind of, it actually does. It says, I set my mind to seek and explore wisdom concerning all that has been done under heaven. That's what we got to do. We got to set our mind to, to seek and explore wisdom for what all is done under heaven. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for your word of God. We thank you, Lord, that you are the great healer, the, that, that fantastic physician. We thank you, Lord, that you, if you need be, you will put forth such force and effort that you'll break a bone to reset it and to mend it. But Lord, at the same time, your word is so sharp, so precise that it will separate the very bone from the marrow. We thank you, Lord, whether it takes force or whether it takes uh, intricate uh, dexterity of, of, of revelation to our heart and to our mind, Lord, that you will pull those things apart and that we'll be able to see clearly what you have for us. We thank you, Lord, that today as we look into your word, you will mend us, you will put us together, you'll put us in a place of peace and wholeness, you'll show us why your kingdom come, that your will will be done, that you, the Prince of Peace has come to us. We thank you, Father, for your mending, in Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking in here at stage set, 
And, uh, and, and that's what we're kind of doing with it here. Last, last week, we, we went through seven dispensations. I'm not going to go through all seven of those. I'll make mention of them quickly. Um, the first dispensation from, the, from creation to the fall of man was of innocence. And this is where we love, like I said, when you start looking at this, you start understanding babies and kids and creation and all these things. And you start understanding innocence. I want you to also think in, in like a threefold thing. And I know people don't do this. This is my mind. My mind's crazy if some of you ever want to get into it. But because um, I always think in threes. I just do. Everything's always three words. It's always three senses. It's always three. See, I just did that three times to you. Anyway, it's what I do every single time. So like when I'm trying to relate to somebody, I always come across three different ways. Because one of them has to work, right? I mean, at some point, we got to click. If we're not going to click, why, we're not communicating. But this is who I am. And so I'm, I, when I looked at this, when the Lord showed it to me and started revealing these dispensations, he, he showed it to me, first of all, in the dispensations of the Word of God. Then he showed it to me in the dispensations of life and growth and maturity and how we grow up. And then the last one was how we actually did the same thing once we were born again. See, when you're born again, you're born again into innocence. You were saved and you knew that you didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it. You were absolutely saved and, and you are just lost in joy and innocence of what's going on, right? Like, oh, God is awesome. Jesus is great. He did such wonderful things. And so you start in this age of innocence. No, So now, back to our dispensations. We're looking at from creation to the fall and then that's called the age of uh, the dispensation of innocence the next one then is what's called human conscience and what starts to happen with that new believer that starts to walk out their belief system with the lord they start developing a conscience they start to do what adam and eve did they wanted to know what's right from wrong and so they start telling you what's right and what's wrong and and you know you got and then conscience starts to show up and it's not always innocence, now it's something thought. I mean, it's about your intellect. We start to grow. And th that's the second dispensation is human conscience. The third dispensation is human government. And that's where we start to make um, outside influences of cities and towns and governments and things like this. That's the third dispensation. What happens? We start going to church. And we start establishing ourselves in a government in our Christian walk. Has anybody walked through some of these things? Did anybody have a place of innocence, a place of conscience, a place of God? What's next? Next is thank God. The fourth dispensation is the dispensation of promise. And now we're up to Abraham and the promise of what is to come. And this is where some people get some new life in their Christian walk because all of a sudden, I mean, they got saved and it was great. Then they start getting into conscience. Then they start getting into some human governments. And then... Oh, there's a hope? You mean there's healing? You mean that there's some financial relief? God's going to come and minister peace to me right now in my present, present place? There's, there's a promise of what is to come, that promise of what Jesus really had. He's not just out there in heaven, but he'll come here to me now. And we start to see promise. But where, where did the promise end? The promise to Abraham ended in Egyptian captivity. And Egyptian captivity comes along Moses, and Moses brings about the law. So all of a sudden you have promise, and you see all the great things of God, and you're walking through your Christian life, and you're growing. Now these things take time. 
So if you haven't been saved long, you're probably not going to experience all this. But if you have been saved for a while, you're going to look back and you'll be like, oh, you went from conscience to human government to the promise, which was a great place. And then all of a sudden you stepped into law. And law, whew, anybody ever found religion? Like religion? I didn't say Christianity. I didn't say Christ. I said religion. Where the law just came in and it kills. It's not a lie. It's not a relationship. It's, I mean, it, it's death. And that's the fifth dispensation is the law. And it comes. But the law ended. And when the law ended, what was given to Moses on Mount Sinai landed on Mount Calvary. And Jesus began the age of grace. And he said, it's not by works, lest any man should boast. And he fulfilled all the law and the prophets. And he said, you now have a place. And so the only true freedom that you're going to start to step into is a place of grace. And that's the sixth dispensation, is grace. The final dispensation would be the millennial kingdom, if you would, or, the, or kingdom. It, it, it's when Christ returns. Because does anybody know that I believe I heard that the days will be like Lot or Noah, that things are growing darker on this earth? Does anybody else hear that people will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money, that they'll fight with their parents and that there'll be wars and rumors? Of, has anybody ever heard? That? I mean, is this what's coming? Okay, so this dispensation that began in grace in perfect righteous, righteous place from Christ will also be ruined by man like all dispensations did. And the final dispensation will be one, a theocratic, which means God ruled, final dispensation. And when God's in full control, no other problems. Okay, that's it. That's how we walk. That's how we live. That's how we look at these things. And so that's, that's my, that is all you're going to get as far as some of the accounting columns, if we would, of these dispensations. It's just ways of filing these timelines. <coughs> okay, Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 14, shows timing. It, it puts timing in context. I'll just read it to you. And they, they'll probably put it up there. There is an appointed time for everything. There is a time for every event under heaven. Oh, this is so good. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. Lord hit me with that one. My wife asked me to rip out a tree the other day. And uh, I'm like, no, why? It's a tree. It's living. It looks good. That's great. That's, you know what it actually is? That's work. But, I mean, why are you guys laughing? I have no idea what you're laughing at. Anyway, and then the Lord hits me with this in my reading. And he says, a time to uproot. And I'm like, night so I got to go rip out a tree it's a perfectly good tree I don't want to rip anyway I'll rip out a tree um, a time to uproot what is planted a time to kill and a time to heal a time to tear down and a time to build up a time to weep and a time to laugh a time to mourn and a time to dance a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones 
How long did David carry those stones? Everybody, anybody ever think about how long David probably carries? He went down to that brook, picked up five stones. Nobody ever thinks about that, huh? Did he carry those until all five of those giants? Did he just happen to one day when he heard about so-and-so and, and Goliath's brother being killed, did he just reach down and pull out that pocket, pick out that stone and go, that was God's. Did he hold because they didn't fall that day. But he planned for them that day. He prophesied to them that day. He declared to them that it was going to fall that day. Then he held to the promise. Through faith and patience, you obtain it. Okay. A time to embrace and a time to shun embrace. See, we, we're so, man... We, don't, we just don't take the word. we got people like, I want to give them a hug. And there's people like, I don't want a hug. And then the person that wants to give them a hug tells them that they're wrong. And the person that doesn't want a hug, you know what I mean? Who's right? You know what's called a personal relationship with Christ? So butt out. Let Christ do his work. Ooh, may set somebody free. You know that I can't get everybody saved? to work with the Holy Ghost on their heart? It's my job to be obedient, to do what I'm supposed to do when I'm going to do it. But if they reject you, they're rejecting Christ, not you. If you want to give a hug or you don't want a hug, doesn't matter. As long as it's Christ, that's what has to be pursued. To search. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. I thought we were faith people. But if you were a faith person, if you were that faith person, you never would put Isaac on that altar. <laughs> and I thought Abraham was a faith person. A time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. I'm learning. So. Anybody else, you know, kind of half hoarder? Nobody? Okay, never mind. <laughs> Just. When I was a kid, I kept every rock I ever found. I had shoe boxes. I had tackle boxes. I had boxes and boxes on shelves of rocks. It looked like a gravel pile in my room. My goodness. There's a time to throw away. Okay, a time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to be silent, a time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? Lord talks a lot about um, don't muzzle the ox when he treads out the grain and a worker is worthy of his wages, right? So if you're working, the Lord says it's for a purpose. Oh, it's just for free. You're a fool. I just want to give everything away. Not unless the Lord told you to sow it. Then you're wasting your energy and your God-given resources. 
We operate from a king, a lord, a master. Somebody then that tells you what to do. He ordered my steps. If I step off the path, I'm off the course. I only want ordered steps. I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. He has made everything appropriate in its time. Everything is appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart. Yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Live thankful. Live thankful. Live thankful. See, you can't, the Lord did this to me a long time ago, and I know I've had conversations with multiple people. You can't say the word joy to me without me coming to one word. They're so connected, and that word is strength. So when he tells me to rejoice, he tells me to be strong. That's what he's telling me. Be strong in my life. Rejoice. Verse 13, moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will remain forever. So why don't we just do what God tells us to do? You want to make an impact? You want to touch your family? You want to see this world change? Do what God said to do. I know that everything God does will remain forever. There is nothing to add to it, and there is nothing to take from it. For God has so worked that men should fear him. Glory to God. So timing, timing shows context. Lord gave me this here, and whatever, you guys can just, you'll deal with it. So some of you buckle up, and some of you plug your ears. Anyway, um, if something's done out of time, it's out of context, okay? Sex out of context of marriage is devastating. It, unplanned pregnancies, even diseases, and the loss of one's most treasured gift, given once to every person and given once to another, your virginity. Sex is not wrong. Designed by God. Sex within the context, within the timing, within the dispensation of marriage is like tasting of the fruit of heaven. You would say it's rapturous. You, 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 would, you would say that there's a, a catching away. But you know what it is? It's an expression and a representation of God's desire for us. He wants you in that place. It's a picture of heaven. Out of context, you get the twisted malformation, the degeneration, because it has a deception woven into it. And it's going to kill. And so, we see this, this is what I love about it. It's why, I'm still even on sex. It is why God is patient, kind, 
good, faithful. He's leading to a moment. He's leading to a culmination. He is full, he's joyful, he's peaceful, he's gentle, and he does it all with self-control. How do you get to your rapturous place with Christ? Through the fruits of the Spirit. If you put it in its appropriate time and context, it's fantastic. So, each of these fruits of the Spirit have a part in setting the stage for the next act of your life. Are we using those fruits? So let's go back to Genesis 6. We're going back to Noah. What we're going to see right here, um, what we're going to see, I can get there. Genesis is way back at the beginning. We're going to see uh, a, a, a special, this is a special, Genesis chapter 6 is the moment of two dispensations. The world has been judged and said that it's all evil. Well, that's, five, that's verse 5, 6 verse 5, I believe. And so it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So we have a place setting here where human conscience, where everybody's done what they thought was right, no law, no government, they thought was right. They ruled themselves. Well, I, th I didn't think it was wrong. I just did what felt good. I just, I just did what I wanted to do. I wanted to... Okay? Nobody's seen this type of world before, right? Nobody... Okay, it's totally foreign. Totally foreign to us. So they did what was right in their own imagination, and we saw that it had been overwhelmed and consumed with evil. But we're at the very uh, foremost point of human conscience, and we're about to step into the next dispensation, which is going to be uh, human government. So we're going to see two dispensations. What are they going to do? I think Obama wrote on it. The word change? Isn't that? Okay. He, he, yeah, whatever he said. But anyway, so the entire earth is to undergo a change. Did anybody know that the flood affected the whole earth? Okay, so the entire earth is going to undergo a change. So what I want to get to is your stage and your setting. The stage is set. So let's look at this, and I'm going to read Genesis 6, 1 through 8. Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves. Whomever they chose. That, that's like a man's verse right there. If, if a man, take what you want to choose. I mean, that's, that's the old caveman in a stick. You know, just, we'll go out, whack one down, take it back. You know, I mean, that's kind of, well, you know what? The, the, the tribe of Benjamin did it too. After they got wiped out and liquidated, you know, and they're down to like 400 men, and they're like, well, we got to save them somehow. Well, this, and I forgot the name of the town, 
Um, they didn't. They didn't come. They didn't pledge that they wouldn't help Benjamin. Well, that town had a certain celebration where all the females, all the virgins, would go out into the fields for a couple days and dance and all oh, girl party anyway. And they would do this thing, and uh, they they were all together. It's a bachelorette party in the Bible anyway. Um, but they would do that, and they would all run out and dance and sing in the fields and stuff. And what did they tell the Benjamites to do? They said, you guys go out there, sit around the edge of the field when those girls come out, go get yourself one. I mean, and so it's, I mean, they're charged, whatever. I don't know what it is, but, but they went out and they picked. <laughs> Sorry, women, I didn't see a choice. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyway. Okay, let, let's, let's just take it one more time. I got to do this because, you know, three. I said I operate in threes, so let's do this. So, um, blank who finds a good blank finds a good thing. First blank is he who finds a good finds a good thing. So, who does the finding? Sorry, girls. Um, buck up, sit down, and get your prayer life in order. That's the answer to that. Um, okay. <laughs> I guess if we got to break a bone, we break a bone today. I don't know. Where this is. Okay. Uh, so they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Uh, verse 3, then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh, nevertheless his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, those who were mighty men, who were of old, men of renown. So these are the giants that walked around the earth. People talk about giants. So let's, let's look at that for one brief second. I just want to touch some of these things because I really got to get to something, but I got to pull it all together. You cannot mix the holy and the profane without getting something twisted. And that's what happened here. What we have is a lot of uh, what people would call church and things, and this is where we run from. This is where we continue to press for holiness. And we continue to press for purity. And we continue to keep ourselves on the altar before God, letting our flesh die. Because many times we keep finding people that are culminating and they're associating with their own worldly lusts and imaginations, even though they're a believer. And they keep getting twisted deceptions in their families and twisted thoughts in their finances and twisted you know, things in their relationships with others. And they become gigantic. They're devilish. And they need to be destroyed. Didn't say it wasn't a part of you. Because it was. But that part needs pruned. Okay. Verse 5. Then the Lord... Or no. Yeah, verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry um, that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Now, sorry is more of an old English term, because I'll, I'll tell you this, and I, this is a personal thing, but you take it for whatever. 
I, I will never, and I won't make my kids this either, so if you guys got an issue with it, you'll hear it. Um, I will never say I'm sorry. Because do you know what sorry means? See, the actual Old English term means wretched, wasteful, sorry. That's a sorry excuse of a human being. That was a sorry job that you did. That was sorry. And when you say that you're sorry, you are violating righteousness. You can repent and you can change, but you are not sorry. You are worth the blood and body of Jesus Christ. You are not sorry. You are not worthless. You are not wretched. You are not something to be cast out. Now, I can change my behavior. If you didn't like what I did and you asked me to do it, I will repent of it. I will turn from that wicked way and walk away. But sorry I am not. I am righteous. And it wasn't even my righteousness, and that's why I stand in it so strong. Because it was Christ's righteousness. He put me in right standing. We'll get into some of these things in a moment. I believe we're going to go. Okay. Verse 6, oh, I already read that. He is sorry and it grieved the Lord. Could you imagine being a father that looks at your child and says, I am sorry and I repent that I ever made you. That's what God said to mankind. I repent that I ever made you. I want to turn from this. How can he preserve this creation? He now has to look into and plan out and purpose how to preserve this creation. When left on its own, it became a malformation. You must parent your kids. They will not raise themselves. You must train your employees. They will not train themselves. You must bring up the ones around you, the next culture, the next generation, they will not train themselves. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, to creeping things, and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But, what does that word mean? We're going to change a context, right? But, now most people, when they preach the but sermon, they always follow it up with what? But, God. Go ahead, if you put that verse up there one more time. This says, but, hmm. But Noah found grace. In the eyes of the Lord. Now, let's. I know when the age of grace came. That's Jesus. This is many dispensations before grace. Noah found favor with God. Let's just look at a couple of these things because I don't got much time. So I have to do this. So this is the conclusion of one dispensation in the beginning of the next. Conscience is closing and human government is about to begin. In the tumultuous time of change, we look here at verse 8 and we see that but Noah found 
grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is very important in its context, in its time, in its place. So let's look at this. What kind of grace? Now I want to grab a definition here. Do I got them here? Yeah. I like uh, D- Doug Jones when he was here ministered and he, and he changed the de- de- definition of grace to me from the strong to the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance version. I don't know if you guys remember that. I always knew uh, divine favor, um, unmerited favor with God. You know, that's what grace always was. The Strong's definition says this. It says the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in a believer's life. The divine influence on a heart and its reflection in a believer's life. So there was a divine influence on the heart of Noah that reflected in his life. We know that this is the only man on the planet that's going to be saved. Now, so there was a divine empowerment. God's grace has been given to Noah. But who found it? Noah found grace. Who finds salvation? Jesus? We do. We access grace through... Okay, I'm telling you, if you're not a doer, you're not a getter. You must do something. It's an act of your life. Your stage is set. What are you going to do? Let's find. Let, let, let's look at a couple things. I, I wrote down a couple of these things that Noah did. <clears throat> okay. And let's see if I can wind this up and send it home. <clears throat> okay. Glory to God. We can do this. Noah had the grace to build. Noah did something that was absolutely absurd. In a time when it had never rained and we've never even seen it, he starts going out there and he dedicates himself for maybe, what, a hundred years? Of, that's why long I said he preached righteousness. So he dedicated himself for a hundred years. He starts to build a boat, a boat that is so large, so big. Who went to the Ark Encounter? I know these guys did. They did. Okay, we got a couple people. Oh, we got a couple more. Um, you know, it feels like salvation call. If you just come forward, we're about to. No, anyway, um, hands were going up everywhere. It was great. No, uh, but anyway, Ark Encounter. How big is that boat? Okay, you know he measured that with his furlong? He measured it how the Lord told him to do it. And he measured it, and he measured it. Now, I'm, i got to say this. Kaylin, can you come here for a second? I hope this is right because this would be real embarrassing to me. Malik may have been better. Just You'll figure that out in a second. Come here. Come all the way up here. Can you put your elbow right there and your hand straight up like we're going to arm us? Okay, okay, okay. Now... Her furlong is not my furlong. Quit measuring yourself against what somebody else, what God has called. Okay? You're good. That, Noah, if she would have built the ark, it would have been a little bit smaller than what I would have built. I have no idea what Noah's furlong was. But you know what? God did, and God told him, and he did it according to Noah and his specification. He looked at him, he judged him, he knew he'd be faithful to this talent, and he assigned him something to do. You have an assignment of what to do, and it's catered specifically to you. Okay, let's keep going here. So he had a grace to build. 
Noah had a grace to build. He had a divine empowerment. He had an influence on his heart that was being reflected to humanity. And he built that which God told him to do. So what couldn't Noah do? It's, it's told me that in those times that Noah was there, that they were partying. These guys were having fun. What was Noah doing? Working. More gopher wood, more pitch, more tar. More gopher wood, more pitch, more tar. More gopher wood. But they're having fun. But you know what? He had a grace to build. He had a divine empowerment to build. You don't have, what else is in the world? Giants. There's giants out there in the world. They can be laughing at you, mocking at you, standing around looking at you, but I don't care what they're doing. I only care about what you're doing. That's what God's saying. What are you doing? And so there's a grace to build. <laughs> in a time of giants, you build. In a time when there's never been rain and they don't know what a boat is, you build. God's calling some of you. I can't get to there yet. I will read it before I'm done. I will get there. There was a grace for Noah to lead his family in spite of the culture surrounding him. There is a divine empowerment, a divine influence on you that is allowed to be released through you to touch and lead your family. There was a grace to stay focused when the world was completely out of focus. All their thoughts were evil. All their imaginations were running here and there. And he stayed purposed in what he did. What if he listened to his banker? What if he listened to his father? Mother, sister, brother. Noah would have swallowed water. What about his cousins, nieces, nephews? What if Noah listened to his family? Who is the God of your life? Noah had a grace to stay focused when the world is completely out of focus. Noah had a grace to endure. You have a grace to endure. You can get through the very large, mind-boggling, I can't do this Lord moment that he's called you to do. How do you nail yourself to a tree? How do you deliver all these uh, fellow Jews from captivity? How do I restore the walls of this city? How do I, how do I, how do I lead them? I'm the lowest of my clan. I'm the least of my people. I'm the, I don't care what your excuse is. When God speaks, his word has all the power in it. And if you receive it as a seed of faith inside the soil of your body, you'll manifest heaven. You cannot be stopped on this earth. And last and not least, that I wrote down, grace must be crazy. 
Because rain, rain, Noah, rain, seriously, it's never rained. Oh, so you what, the, like the whole like uh, atmosphere is going to like rip apart or something, and what, like things are going to, the, the, the dew that comes up from the ground is going to come from the sky above? <laughs> You're an idiot. An idiot with a plan. Here's the thing. You know how many people continue to pray against the rain because they don't want it to fall? But without the rain, the ark is irrelevant. Without the rain, you're insane. You're just a fool. Until you allow God to get you through the course of everything he's called you to, what he's told you to go through in your marriage, what he's told you to go through in your business, what he's told you to go through with your employer, what he's told you to go through with your spouse, what he's told you to go through with your relationship, until you get all the way to the end and let the rain fall and the judgment come, then you get to be a spectacle for God. Until then, you're just crazy. They won't let their kids do this. They won't let them do that. They won't, that business, well, oh, he does it this way. Oh, man, that church does it this way. Oh, whatever. Who cares? If you heard from the Lord, you're standing in a place of grace, and you have a divine influence and an empowerment, and nothing in hell or on earth can stop you. Hebrews 11:7. By faith, Noah being by faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen. Lord tells me to start working out. Workout Wednesdays. Why do I do it? Not for that day, for my future. Why does he tell me to do what he tells me to do? Not for right now, not for the pain of right now. I must endure what he tells me to do right now. I must stay, hold, hold true to it. I must look crazy doing it. I must sit there and build it. I must do these things because my tomorrow's in front of me and his grace was him warning me that if I don't do it now, I will fail then. His grace is being released to you so you will succeed. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to be there. Eleven seven Hebrews eleven seven. By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, holy fear, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. If you will follow God, you will take others with you, every single. Somebody will be affected. Ham, Shem, and Japheth and their wives all walked into that boat and out of that boat. But Noah was commissioned to build the boat. You'll be able to save, in this case, family. But you'll take somebody with you if you'll just do what God's called you to do. I'm going to continue. Hebrews 11, 7. By faith Noah, being warned by God about the things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world. Trust me, they're going to get mad at you because you're condemning them. Okay? 
You know what it sounds like to hear babies screaming and gurgling underneath that flood water? Fingernails scratching on the outside of that boat? People that you knew in town dying around you? Family members going underneath? It's for judgment because they didn't listen to your words, but that doesn't matter. You listen to God's word. But it is a painful thing to have everything that you know ripped away from you. But you'll get inside of an ark. You'll get inside of the grace that God prepared for you, and you'll live through the judgment. And you'll have a new beginning. Became an, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the right standing or righteousness, which is according to faith. So here, i got to read this real fast. I don't got much time. I'm just going to read this out and we'll be done. Keep slinging boards. Build, build, build. Remain focused. Stand for the Lord. Lead your family. Don't pray against the rain. If it, if it does not come, then the ark is in vain. Realize the rain makes the ark pertinent. With no judgment, there is no expression of grace, no preservation of righteousness, no justice, no hope. No faith, no love. Question for you. What did God say to you to do? Is it too big? Does it seem contrary to the culture around you? If not, for, uh, for your op- occupation. <coughs> it has never been done, for, done in your family before. I don't care what these things are. These are just excuses. These are questions. The questions are easy to find. Just listen to the doubts of the faithless world around you. I challenge you, do the crazy thing God told you to do. Change your world. Your family's salvation is in your righteousness. Your right standing with God. This is, uh, this is an expression of faith upon the earth. Christ will find it out, will find it when he returns. Did he ask the question, will I find faith on the earth when I return? This is how you find it. You go through the judgments. Because you will be here, Christ will find faith. Don't look to the giants, the wise, the affluent, or those outside of your belief system. When the water comes, all is going to be washed away. Young, old, popular, rich, poor, athletic, or pathetic. Uh, If Noah followed the culture of his day, he would have swallowed water. Walk separate. Live sanctified. Be a man or woman of God. Find your backbone. Live contrary to this world and its systems. Find your importance in God. He designed you with a purpose, and, he will be, and you will be held accountable at your day of reckoning. No one else will speak for you. I know the master. He's a shrewd taskmaster, master, and he demands a return on his talents. You have as many as you can handle. No more, no less. But look again at verse 8. Noah was the one that found grace. So you too are the ones that can access the grace of God. Your free will will access this in your timeline. Finding grace is a divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in a believer's life. Divine empowerment. God's grace has been available in every dispensation, but we live in the dispensation of grace. So divine empowerment has been set on this stage of your life. Will you access it? I'll close right there. Sorry. I'm going to have to leave all the rest for some other year. Um, That's where we're going to be. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your divine release into our hearts. Father, we thank you for our imaginations. We thank you, Father, that even now you're continuing to stir up and speak to us of those things that you said 
to us that we said, no way, not me, Lord. I'm too this, I'm too that, or it's too big. I can't do that. I don't have it. I don't have the popularity. I don't have the influence. Lord God, I thank you that right now you're stirring those things back up into the hearts of these believers that they'll be able to walk out and show forth your grace and your ability in this world, that they'll walk out in righteousness and that they'll be able to stand in the face of judgment. And Lord, they'll walk through that judgment to be a marker for you. It's not about the tribulation or the trial, but we find joy, Lord God, in this, that we get to prove out your word and prove your ways on this earth. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.